to have you here. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. It's another beautiful rainy day in Florida. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, rainy and humid, right? Yep, rainy and humid. Yeah. <laughs> Dark and overcast. Yes. That sounds like a good beginning of a, a book. It was a dark and gloomy morning. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, hey, you can borrow from Dickens if you want, right? <laughs> um, so how are you? How's everything in your end of the world? Um, it's it's going well, you know. I try and keep myself busy. Yeah. Yeah, and it's weird, isn't it? Because, um, you know, like, it's a holiday here, and, you know, but half the people I know are working anyway, so it doesn't really... <laughs> yeah, writing doesn't take holidays. Yes, so I'm working on my stuff and and doing my interviews, and I, I never stop doing it. So I I work weekends, I work nights. You know, when you're own, you do your own thing and you love it, it doesn't matter. But it's really funny when it's supposed to be a holiday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It it's a lifestyle. Yeah. As opposed to a job. Yeah, exactly. Um now my first question is uh what when you were a kid, what book touched you that really made you, grabbed you, made you wanted to read it? Oh, um, I guess that would, I mean, at the risk of sounding pretty basic, um, it would probably be The Hobbit. When I, when I first read that, I, I took it from my sister. It was one of the paperbacks in her closet. And I just, I was going through her books, and I just opened it, and I actually didn't leave the closet. I just sat down on the floor and started reading, and um, that was the one. Oh, I love that. That's so cute. Did you scare your sister? Because she came home, and there's your sister sitting in her closet. Yeah, she came home. She's like, what are you, she yelled at me, what are you doing here? Her closet was like my my mini library that I could go without leaving home. It's like a little like a little um, 
like a little coffee shop, you know. Yeah, right, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I mean, was there something soft to sit on as you were sitting that long? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could have started pulling clothes down off of their hangers. She, in fact, took the book out of my hand, so I had to wait until she was gone again before I could start reading it. Oh. <laughs> I don't blame her, though. I mean, I know... I'm pretty fair and easy with my books, but I just, I would have been scared to see you sitting in my closet. I was like, oh my God, why are you sitting in my closet? <laughs> yeah, she's like, and give me my book back. <laughs> Mom. Oh, and then cried out, Mom, oh God. Right. That's even worse. I know. I got in trouble for reading. It's really strange, isn't it, how, um, I, especially if it's really good, you can be taken away anywhere. I remember the first book that really got me was an Agatha Christie book, um, and, you know, I'm not English, I'm not, I, I, I had seen some stuff, you know, some movies and stuff on TV, but I wasn't really a huge, I mean, other than, they used to have something called the Sunday Mystery Movie, that ages me, and it had Columbo, and McLeod, and Macmillan and Wife, and there was a, oh. and a show with Tony Curtis, oh, it was called McCoy, and, um, it was uh, those four, and I used to, uh, and but it was on Sunday at nine, so we could only watch it during the summer. Right. <laughs> but I loved it. Oh, and there was another show that came on a little later when M McCoy didn't work out. They had a show called The Snoop Sisters, and it had two incredibly great actresses, uh, Helen Hayes and uh, Mildred Natwick, playing these um older lady detectives. It was so adorable. I, I have never heard of this. I'm looking it up right now. Oh my god, it's one of my favorite TV series from when I was a kid. Um, it's not real. it's, these are all adult shows, you know, these are this right. prime time stuff. But it was one of my favorites because they were so funny. I mean, they fought old age just by going zooming through and solving the mystery and being smarter than everybody else in the room. Yeah. I used to like that show, Heart to Heart. Oh, yeah, I, I love that show. Yeah, yeah, I thought, I'm like, this is this is what relationships are supposed to be like. You yeah. marry somebody, you solve crimes together. But it was a real love relationship. It was a real marriage Right. You know, I mean, it's so unusual. Uh, the only other thing you can compare it to is something like the Thin Man, because they they had a real relationship in the in those movies. But uh, in fact, he said that uh, Robert Wagner said he uh, he put Heart to Heart uh, based it on the Thin Man. Really? Yeah. He, well, the not the actual uh, the, that was actually done, the story was created by other people, but. He wanted it to have that the relationship between Mr. and Mrs. Hart to be like Nick and Nora Charles in the Thin Man book, and then the oh, movie. I you know I didn't know it was Dashiell Hammett, right? Uh huh. Yeah, 
And he love he I love that. Well, I love those too. Uh, it's really hard not to love it. I mean, it was. Uh, uh, did you ever see Remington Steel? Oh, I used to love that show. Me too. Everybody, I think everybody loved that show, and right? And Pierce Bronson was just so adorable and Stephanie Zimelis. It just is just yeah. You can't, how can you not love that show? Yeah. Uh, but and uh, Moonlighting. Because he uh, and oh, and Moonlighting was funny because well, that was more of like a brawl every week. Oh, <laughs> that wasn't really a relationship. Was <laughs> <laughs> sort of a relationship. Yeah, I know. There was a sweetness underlining it, but most of the time they were fighting with each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But yeah, I loved it. I love those shows. I mean, I loved I love a good mystery, and I love a good and TV series that are uh, really solid like that. There was one show; it only lasted one season, that was so much fun. It was called uh, it was it was before Heart to Heart came out. Um, it was called Feather and Father. It was oh. with Stephanie Powers as Feather, and Harold Gould as Father. And Stephanie was a lawyer, and Harold Gould was a con man. And oh. she basically became a lawyer to keep her father out of jail, which is part of the opening. Hi, my name is Feather. <laughs> oh, I've never even heard of. I've never heard of that one either. Oh my God, so adorable. Got a. I think they have a few of them on YouTube. I, I think I'll I think I'll watch them. But I remember uh, when I was a kid, I used to like reading the Encyclopedia Brown books. I oh thought those were yeah, just the height of detective solving mysteries. I love I love anything mystery. But um, did you ever see a movie called The Sting? Oh yeah, of course I did. Carol Gould was in it. Oh, was he? Who did he play? He played the guy who was organizing the con against um, the banker. I forgot his name. Um, for Paul Newman and Robert Redford, he they were he was the one organizing all of the other people. He was he was sitting oh, behind the desk. Oh, yeah. Was he the announcer as well? No, that was Ray Walson. He played. Uh, oh, okay. he, that was the guy. The guy. They had such an amazing cast of actors. Ray Walson was in uh, My Favorite Martian. You might recognize him from that. I remember that. I remember with his little antenna that would come out. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. He played. Oh, he was. He did. He was one of the great character actors. Um, and, or you may also remember him from my brother's favorite movie, Fast Times at Richmond High. <laughs> Oh right, he was the teacher yes. when he was. <laughs> Harold Harold Gould, uh, you might remember him from Rhoda. She he played Rhoda's dad. Hmm. I you know I only saw Rhoda a couple times. Okay. Uh, but I reckon I just looked him up and now I recognize him. Yeah, he's he's adorable. Yeah, I I com I completely recognize him. Yeah, he just passed away recently. Yeah, he was, he, it's interesting because he apparently, now this is something that I found fascinating, he's a great character actor, and even though he was older and, 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 and sort of feeble in some ways, he kept acting, even when he was living in the uh, actor's home, they would send a car for him for like bit parts in different movies and TV shows. 
it's a lifestyle. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm living this lifestyle. I mean, he was still working. He did, um, I forgot what the name of that show was. Um, it was another detective show. Anyway, he he was doing stuff all the way up until he passed. That's great. Yeah. I, I hope to be like that. He's my new idol. Yeah, yeah. I just, when I looked at when he did his last show it was only like a couple of years ago so like about a year before he died you know I mean okay. isn't that amazing yeah he actually should be everybody's idol uh-huh. everybody should be, have this kind of work ethic yeah it just uh, but he was oh I loved him but anyway Feather and Father was a lot of fun he would uh, she would get a client or somebody would get killed that was a friend of hers or was a friend of both of theirs and or something, and then they would con the killer so they could get him into jail. Oh, to, to like, admit that he's the one who did it? Yeah, because they always set up some innocent person. Sometimes it's the person that's the innocent person who ends up being her uh, Feather's client, you know, stuff like that that they're they're trying to save from um being destroyed by the murderer um who's always a powerful jerk arrogant jerk <laughs> yeah a lot of those in the world well it's, it's just like you know Columbo one of the reasons I think everybody loved Columbo was because he just you, the, all these people underestimated him because he was like he looked like he was simple. He looked like he was he he was uncouth, unclothed, wasn't clo- um, clothed properly. He seemed to keep asking questions over and over. He, he didn't seem to know where he was going. But the man was a genius, and he was smarter than any of them. And that's why he, he just took these people who were really rich and rocked their boat. It was great. <laughs> yeah, because nobody saw him coming. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the battered um, car, the battered um, trench coat. Disheveled clothes. Yeah, disheveled clothes. The hair always a little out of place. Uh, I have a question. (laughs) Uh, uh, Just one more question. (laughs) But he always seemed to, like, uh, he would get the clue because he was so meticulous at the murder scene that, I mean, he would, like, notice things outside and inside and everything he saw. Because you saw him from the very beginning. And you know who the murderer is on Columbo, which is the most unusual part of the whole show. You already know who the killer is. It's just how does he find that clue that connects that person to the murder? That's what's interesting. You know, um, it's it's, yeah. it's one of the more unusual shows. It was actually uh, written by the same team that did the Ellery Queen books. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The um, they did. Uh, they they're I think they're cousins. Um, Ellery Queen's two people. I don't want to rock your boat but <laughs> I, 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 I think I knew that I believe um, it was they were basically ghost writing it right 
No, they write it. They it wasn't ghostwriting. They just decided to write it together, and they didn't want to use their names because I think one was a lawyer, and or both of them were lawyers, and they didn't want people to know that they were like uh, speculating with books and stuff. And then Ellery, oh, and then Ellery Queen became huge. You know, everybody the books sold like crazy, and. And and then they had the TV series with the late great Jim Hutton. I love that show. <laughs> Actually, it's what got me into Ellery Queen, the TV series. Oh, well, I didn't know that they were they were hiding their uh, identities because they were lawyers. I, I you know I never really look into that. Whenever I like something, I feel like I don't want to know anything about the person who wrote it or sang it because then I'll be disappointed in their life choices. Oh, I'm just the opposite, especially if it's somebody, uh, um, something I find fat. I, I, like, uh, everybody, everybody I've ever wanted to read, I've looked at every single biography, I'm a nut for that kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> I read their autobiography, I read other people's biographies, I take with other people's biographies with a grain of salt because, you know, a lot of times people are jealous. Um, yeah, I just finished reading... I love Josephine Baker. And I just finished reading uh, autobi uh, not an autobi a biography. It kind of... That was not my favorite biography. I've read several of her. and But you, you have to, like I said, it's just like when you're reading a book that's older... You have to take it with a grain of salt because you have to remember when it was written because all right. of the prejudice of the period will hit you right between the eyes if you don't. <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. I You know who has a great autobiography is uh, Mark Twain. It's ah, hysterical. I love him. I love him. Yeah, I, I, he's, he, well, he was a comedian. <laughs> right, it I was mean, the funniest autobiography I've ever, I've ever read. I mean, he wasn't just a great novelist. I mean, if you see, if you've seen some of the, um, the quotes that came out of that man's mouth, I mean, he was a reporter, so he was really up on everything, but he was, um, he was just a stand-up comedy guy, you know, in some ways. <laughs> yeah, he was he was a funny man. There's um there was this uh a story that he was uh talking about uh it was one of his short stories and he said that you know he he based it on um on some politicians in, in one of the small towns that he lived in and they asked him, was it hard? And he said, are you kidding? There are a dime a dozen politicians. You step on them as you walk down the road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, him and Will Rogers are my favorite of those type of essayists and comedic writer, actor type people, you know. Right. Uh, I don't, uh, do you know Will Rogers? Um, I know the cowboy. Yeah, that's him. Oh, I did not know he was a writer. He was he was a writer. He was an actor. He was, he uh, he was funny. Oh, he was in vaudeville. Mhm. Mm 
I did not know that before this. The only thing I knew about Will Rogers is that um, he was an actor. Yeah, he was an actor. But he was uh, he was much funnier when he was on stage. He used to be in theaters, like you said, vaudeville, and and he also did legitimate stage on Broadway and stuff like that. And he was much funnier when he was himself doing his own material than when he was even doing movies when people put other words in his mouth. He was just really amazing. And he was a great polo player. <laughs> the reason I say that is because um, you're, you you were originally from L.A. too. You know Will Rogers Park, right? Yes. And you know that they they have polo fields there because... Will Rogers played polo with all the other actors. <laughs> I did not know that's why uh -huh. they had polo there. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, I did not know that. Learn yeah. something new. Yeah, they uh, they um well, I went to it because it was a charity thing. It was for Stephanie Powers for her charity for uh Kenya to raise money to for the William Holden Wildlife Foundation, and they had a polo thing, and it was the first outdoor polo thing I'd ever been to. Well, it was actually the first polo thing I'd ever been to. I'd never seen polo in person. And I, and I, it was exciting. I didn't really think I would like it. Um, but, it, I mean, it, you know, it's a bunch of people riding horses, uh, hitting the polo uh, ball. I mean, I didn't really... But... Um, you know, there there were the announcer knew, of course, that most people didn't know anything about the game because most people were there, like me, that were there for the charity, and um, they explained stuff. You know, what a chucker is and what this means and everything. So I really thought it was cool. And then there was another one to raise money for um, another charity. Uh, which was, for, uh, I think it was heart, through Heart to Heart the TV show. And, oh. and that was at the Burbank Equestrian Center. And that was another polo thing. And that one, Stephanie played in. Really? Stephanie Powers was playing yes! polo? Yes! It was it amazing! It like an episode of The Twilight Zone as opposed to a polo match. It was great! She's, she knows she's quite an adventurous. You know that she was... Uh, um. She was, she did bullfighting. She did. No. Um, uh, she went to you know she went to Africa with William Holden and uh, did a photography. Um, um, what do you call it? Safari. She she hates guns. She hates any violence against animals, especially. Um, uh, but she, she, yeah, she did all kind. Uh, she, she fly. I think she flies a plane. Really? Yeah, that's one of the things they were talking about when she lost William Holden and he lost Natalie Wood. That they thought that the two of them would get together, and when they asked Stephanie, she goes, "No, I think I'm too adventurous for RJ. <laughs> I don't think he'd ever want someone like me." <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah, it was really, yeah, but she's, yeah, she's amazing. But, yeah, so the first time, no, the second time I saw Polo, I saw Stephanie playing. Really cool, really exciting. Anyway, I recommend seeing Polo. 
it's it's not the upper class snobby thing you think it is. It's a very athletic thing. Yeah, I think it would take a certain amount of concentration to be able to stay on the horse, let alone bend over and <laughs> start oh, I know. To whack and whacking at that ball. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's just what they do is just it's scary actually. <laughs> I don't know how they she she just she did it. Uh, there was a couple other women on the team too. I mean, she wasn't the only one, but. It was just, wow, I can't believe Stephanie's on that thing. <laughs> I don't, and I don't know why, but pole ponies seem taller to me than regular horses. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think the only time I've ever seen it was in uh, Pretty Woman. Or um, I think, which one of the princes used to play polo? Uh Oh, Charles? Charles. I think I would occasionally see him. My grandmother used to love watching the the royal family, so whenever there was somebody on doing whatever, she'd always have it on TV. <laughs> well, that would, yeah. I would, yeah, I would be much more interested in Princess Diana, personally, than Charles playing polo. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's different. I know, I know. No, but I, it's really, I just, I was, and I got a, a jacket from the charity, so I was kind of cool on that one. Um, it has my little name on it and everything. It says. So should I, should I look forward to you jumping on a horse? No, no. Like, never, ever. I mean, I, I can ride, I, but polo? No. I'm not an athletic girl. I can ride a horse, but no, 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 <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, because they, I mean, sometimes they're like over the side of the horse, like just holding themselves with their legs onto the horse, it's just, oh my God, it's, it's, it's such, it's breathtaking and scary at the same time. Yes, I think I just I'll leave that to the professionals. Yeah, I would never, never, ever. Uh uh. But watching Stephanie do it was cool. She didn't do that, by the way. She didn't like hang off the side of the thing and some of the more athletic uh, things that the uh, men were doing. I think they were basically showing off for the audience. <laughs> They're probably showing off for Stephanie. Yeah, that's possible too. I mean, she's a beautiful woman. <laughs> yeah. Um. So my next question is, when did you start writing, or did you write when you were a child? Uh, I did write when I was a child, and funnily enough, earlier this year I found an old notebook which had story ideas and some romance story I started when I was like 16 years old. It was terrible. <laughs> but it was also very amusing. What the hell do we know when we're 16? <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. My characters all sounded like they were from England in the 1800s. Oh, God. I that's think I was funny. in my Jane Austen phase. Yeah, that that's what it sounds like. <laughs> My Dorsey. Where's my Dorsey? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. 
really embarrassing. Uh, that will never be published. Yes, I don't blame you. Uh, yeah, my first attempt at a story was a Greek myth when I was about, I think it was in eighth grade, and they wrote a sentence on the blackboard, my teacher, and they said, okay, uh, write a, a paragraph. Well, I didn't write a paragraph. I wrote about nine pages. Well, you, you knew what you wanted to do. But it was like, well, actually, I didn't. I didn't know where it was coming from. It just poured out of my little head. I've always found that with me with stories. I, The initial idea or the initial uh, first draft it does, it it's I I rarely use an outline. I I I fix it later, but it just pours. Yeah, um, I, I I write the same way, but then you once you get to that part where you it it isn't coming so easily anymore. You have to force yourself to get over that that oh, hump. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I've always written that way though. And then when you get to the point where you're like in the middle of a book and you get stuck. <laughs> yeah. Then I start outlining. I found yeah. that yeah. even though I don't usually work from an outline, when I'm stuck, starting to outline really helps me. Yeah. Also, Thank you, Cat Rambo, for that one. And also, um, to uh, it also helps like if you're like you write like something about the characters on the side. You right. know, so you could like maybe shake it out, whatever is stuck. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you start exploring the characters. Yeah. It's just, uh, you do whatever you have to do to get unstuck. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Go for a walk. Yeah. Um, read another book. Start cooking. Play with your pet. Yeah, play with your pet. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, my cat's a great distraction when I'm having a problem. So she's so. You, you look at. I, I have a cat, and she rolls, and she's just so cute. She's got the cutest little paws you ever saw. <laughs> and so when that she starts rolling, distraction. Yes, it helps. And it, it makes you laugh and loosens you up, and then you can go back to work. <laughs> Laughing is a good thing. Laughing is a good thing. Um, so, now, the reason you're here is because you are one of the winners of the Writers of the Future. So, how did you find out about it, and how did you find out you won um, I found out about it from Orson Scott Card. I was in his writer's boot camp, um, I think 2014, 2013, right around there. And he said to, whenever you write a story, first submit it to um, writers of the future, and if they don't accept it, then try and sell it elsewhere. And so that's basically what I've been doing. Um, I was about to pro out, so I was really grateful to have um, to have placed in it. I and forgot the rest of 
your question. <laughs> oh, I just, how did you find out you won? Oh, well, that was funny. I was actually call, I was checking on my story because I usually hear, and I, was, I had another story all lined up um, to submit. I, I, keep, I kept getting honorable mentions. Um, I have a whole bunch of honorable mentions. Um, and then when I was checking on my story, I got a phone call, and I, I thought it was in response to my email, but in fact, they were telling me that I had, um, that I had actually won. Did you scream? <laughs> no, <laughs> but I was really happy. It's funny because the first time I got published, I screamed, and the first time I got cast in a play, I screamed. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but never not in the person's ear, of course, or anything like that. But um, I remember I was when I was talking about the play. I was trying to be all professional. I was I was I was fifteen or sixteen. I was a teenager, and so I was trying to be my version. The what I've seen adults do is being professional. And then when I hung up, I, I was alone at home. My parents were grocery shopping. So I started screaming, I'm in a play with adults. I'm in a play with adults, and I have a real part. <laughs> I screamed on the inside. Because it's just exciting. It's, you, when you break through, it's just like, you know, you, you get that story out there. You get that you get that part, you get that poem, whatever it is, and you finally someone takes it and likes it. That's that's like ice cream. That's like chocolate ice cream, you know? Yeah, it's a it's a great feeling. Yeah. I I was really excited when I got my first story published. It was uh I just kept smiling. I saved the uh the email that they sent me. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's a, it's it's there's something about it when someone accepts your work, just nothing like it. Yeah, that's true. It's well, especially it's creative work, you know, not not just like office work. Office work is not the same. <laughs> yeah, it's true because you it feels like a thankless job sometimes. Mhm. Mm yeah. I mean, even when they give you, like, these little awards and stuff, and money with the award, that's nice and you're excited, but it doesn't have that, uh, that when your work gets a, when your your creative work gets accepted. It's just, it's, it's hard to explain, but it's just not the same. It, it's true. I feel like whenever I write a story, I'm, like, having this weird, misshapen child and then I'm trying to, you know, make it look passable and and hoping somebody adopts it. Yeah. You're like, here, adopt my my orphan. Child. <laughs> my little orphan. It's it's pretty. You have to take it. <laughs> um my next question is, did you enjoy the workshops? Oh yes, I did. Those were those were overwhelming. They did, the workshop is too small of a word for for what that week entailed. Um, a workshop sounds nice and simple and doable. This was 
this was more like um I don't know if writing had a version of Coachella, this would have been it. This was more like some kind of music festival, writing festival with rides, you know, and you're meeting all of these people that you've read, but you didn't think you'd ever meet, and they're taking time to talk to you and sharing so much knowledge, and you're... I, I held on to Larry Niven's hand for too long. It got to the a weird part, part where he was, you know, trying to take it back. <laughs> it was uncomfortable probably for him. I would still be holding on to his hand if I was there. He's a nice man. I met him at, <laughs> at a convention. We were on a panel together. He's, he's a very nice man. Yeah, he, he really was. It, every Everybody was great. Yeah. Um, but he's, and it was, did you like give him a napkin to wipe his hand? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> no, <laughs> I think he said that's enough now. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but when I'm really excited, my hand gets sweaty, so that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yes, mine does too. It was like a little river in my in my palm. Yeah, well, all through you, but it seems to like come together in your hands. I don't really know why it does that, but it does, especially if you're holding it's hands. It's causing the most embarrassment possible, that's why. It yeah, does. that's true. Yeah. It's like, uh, I remember I was at one of my cousin's bar mitzvahs, and my dad loved to take me to dance, because he, he loved to jitterbug, and so um, I have sweat pouring down my face, and so by the time the pictures are taken, I like I used the comb, but it looked like my I my hair was wet in the pictures because it was. <laughs> That's so horrible. I know. They saved the pictures. <laughs> oh, I mean, my mom like would like take a brush and try to brush my hair to try to get it to look presentable. Um, luckily, I had short hair, but it wasn't that short. Uh, <laughs> I feel for you. Uh, I really do. I mean, I was having a great time. It's just that for some reason, when I'm dancing, I sweat. Yeah, it's like a fountain or a sprinkler gets turned on. Yep. But it was great. I had a really good time. My dad was a great dancer. So, <laughs> so I had a great time dancing with him, but it was like... And so we're sitting down, and th that's when they came out with a camera. I'm like, you. <laughs> they were waiting. They were waiting. waiting. for that opportunity. Yeah. I, I wouldn't put it past them. I bet that's what they were thinking. Let's get her. No, I'm joking. Uh, anyway. Um, but anyway, so, but he liked you, right? He was, like, cool and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just just awkward on my behalf. I'm sure he's used to it. That probably happens to him all the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a big uh, book. He's a big author. I I felt that way when I met Richard Matheson. <gasps> you you met Richard Matheson? Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh. When yeah. did you meet him? It was there's a this bookshop in Los Angeles called Mysterious Something. I can't remember the name of it. It's I, it's probably gone now. You know how it was on Ventura Boulevard. 
and you know how things right. come and go. But it was a bookshop. They they had the they had Ray Bradbury and they had Harlan Ellison. They had all the greats come. So um, I saw Richard Matheson was going to come and sign. So I grabbed my copy of Somewhere in Time, which is my favorite book of his. And it's a fantastic book and a fantastic movie. Exactly. Yes, and another lover. Yes. All right. Uh, Somewhere in Time was originally called The Time Return, and it's just, oh, the book is beautiful, set in um, Del Coronado in San Diego, and um, when I finally got the book, this is before I met him, I read it on vacation with my family in Del Coronado in San Diego. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, and um, so... I also got the other book, the book he was um, he was actually there to promote. I bought that, so I didn't seem like such a mooch. Um, uh, I can't remember. It's with Robin Williams, and it's about death and. Oh, I, I is that the one where um where the plane? What is the name of that? Oh, oh God! If I, if, it, I can't think of wait. it. Where he's like looking for his wife. Yes. Yes. Right. What what dreams may come. That's it. That's it. What dreams may come. So I bought that, and I had my other book, and I um, and when I got up there, I said, Mr. Matheson, I also brought this book. Would you mind signing it too? He goes, Oh, how lovely of you. Thank you. And he just signed it, and he was really friendly. Um, and um. He's just really sweet. Uh, I didn't talk to him very much. He wasn't—he wasn't a chatty guy. <laughs> he, he was well. friendly. He was friendly, but he wasn't chatty. You know what I mean? Yeah. God, I—I—I I, I don't know what I would have done if I met him. I'd probably still be holding his hand too. Yeah, I didn't. I—I I did shake his hand. I didn't hold it. Uh, but I did shake his hand. I'd be I'd be fangirling all about the Omega Man. Yeah, I are uh, two from um, the Twilight Zone. It's my favorite episode. Oh yeah. With Elizabeth Montgomery and Charles Bronson, love that episode. Uh, uh there's there's a few. Uh, he wrote like, I think like eight or nine of the Twilight Zones that are just incredible classics. Um, of you know the original series with Roger, right? And um, yeah, I didn't mention didn't that. He, didn't he do the one with uh, with the gremlin on the plane? Yeah, I think that was his right. too. Yeah, right with um, William uh, Shatner. What William Shatner? That's right. Screaming at the gremlin and then everybody on the. <laughs> plane thinking he's insane, but he knew that the gremlin was actually ripping up the plane. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was, uh, I love Richard, and I love Bill, but that was really one of the weirdest Twilight Zones ever. <laughs> I always wondered if that Twilight Zone was the whole reason um, that the movie Gremlins was made. Yeah, but they they, they start cute. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. The, when the gremlin looks at when he when the gremlin 
looks at him through the window and it's like basically like there's nothing you can do. Yeah, I know. It's just so beautiful and sweet. Look at that <laughs> face. Yeah. <laughs> but you're just like, um, don't feed it after midnight. That's all you have to do. <laughs> I mean, really, follow instructions. Although, of course, there wouldn't have been a movie. Uh, That's true. But, no, yeah, the but before they ate, they were just adorable. They, did, they, they just, really like, were. The Mogwai. They kind of look like, um, what do they call it from Star Wars? The Ewoks. Oh, they're Tribbles? Oh. <laughs> oh, no, Tribbles of Star Trek. <laughs> right, sorry. They look kind of like Ewoks. From um from Star Wars, you know the cute fluffy little yeah, things that help them I, win. Maybe a little bit. They they kind of have ears like Yoda though. Yeah. Like if Ewoks and Yoda had like some kind of illicit Baby. love child. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know what Yoda's getting up to on the side. Yeah, right. <laughs> It is a big universe. And he is a player. Right. And he has many secrets. <laughs> when 900 years you reach. Yes, exactly. Um, so, yeah, that was one of my honors was I got to meet Richard Matheson. But, you know, I paid attention to, like, newsletters and newspaper articles and where people were uh, going to be and stuff. So I would always, if it's somebody I really wanted to see, I would go. Like, um, I don't know if you remember him, but Steve Allen actually came to our Barnes & Noble to play the piano and entertain. I was like, how can you not go see Steve Allen for an hour <laughs> in person? I actually don't know who Steve Allen is. Steve Allen, he did the first Tonight Show. He did, oh. he did not even Tonight Show. It's, it wasn't called a He did the first show that was after midnight. And he had a coterie of actors playing skits. And he was insane. He was funny and insane. And, and then, but he's also, he wrote music. He acted, he, he did a movie called the Benny Goodman movie about Benny Goodman. He played Benny Goodman. Uh, he uh, did, he had a TV series on PBS about the great people of history and they would be sitting around a table and you would have Shakespeare next to Queen Elizabeth and all this stuff and they would have oh. these talks like, it was, it was to teach kids about history but in a fun way. Um, anyway, he he was amazing. He he wrote books after book after book after book. He uh, he wrote he he didn't write music, but he wrote songs. I mean, he didn't know how to do the music thing, so he used a tape recorder to uh, to create songs. And he oh. and they were very popular. I mean, these were hits, hit records. Um, I, he was a genius, in other words, really. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. He was a genius. Um, so, 
and he just to see him in person for an hour just canoodling and talking and joking and everything it was it was actually my father's day gift to my father because I brought him with me because he loves Steve Allen wow so anyway that was the other really cool one um, but yeah, if you look it look him up, you'll see all kinds of stuff, really. So he was basically he started the whole late night talk show. Mhm. Before Jack Parr, before Ernie Kovacs, before Johnny Carson. Who was the guy with the bubbles? The bubbles was uh, on late night. Yeah. I, I think that was Ernie. Ernie Kovacs. Ernie Kovacs was no, it was somebody else. And remember, Elvis was on his show. Bubbles. Yeah. Not Ed Sullivan. Ed Sullivan. Oh, that was okay. That's not late night. That was prime time. Oh. (laughs) But yeah, Ed had everybody. My mom met him. Sullivan. Mhm. He had every note written on the curtains. They'd have to get curtains, new curtains. No, he night. had like paper. He had a clip oh. <laughs> to the curtain that he, as he came out before each thing, his notes were there, so he knew oh. who he was introducing. <laughs> That's a lot of. Yeah, he had he had the Beatles, he had Elvis, he had the Rolling Stones, he had Anne Margaret, he had uh, uh, Russian ballet, he had he he did he had everybody. I mean, yeah, he was a big deal. Definitely, um, he was. That's a funny story because he was actually a newspaper man. Uh, and he wasn't really handsome, and he and he had a nice voice because he did have a radio show. But he was really stiff, and he was famous for being stiff. And people ended up really loving him being stiff. It's kind of wow. as you watch him, you're like, okay, this is interesting. Why is he like this big thing? But it, but it, it he got. This, uh, there was a movie called Bye Bye Birdie with oh, and yeah. Margaret He was that was him in the movie that was really Ed Sullivan I did not know that mm-hmm. and I'm learning all kinds of things from your show <laughs> yeah I'm a fountain of trivia <laughs> I love books I love showbiz I have this weird mind I can't remember the name of somebody I know, and then I can, but I can remember every other thing that pours out. It's just, it's strange. <laughs> I know who to call for Monday night trivia at the pub. <laughs> yeah, I'm your line. <laughs> I'm gonna phone a friend. I'm the line for the friend. <laughs> but it has to be within my my area. You know, not, I don't mean you have to be my area. I mean that uh, my right. area is knowledge. The subject matter. Yes. Because I don't know everything. Well, we can find that out oh. on Monday night oh, trivia at the pub. Oh, 
<laughs> you're gonna put me on the spot. Um, so uh, just so the people know, could you uh, give them the um, which book you're in? Um, yes, it's uh, Writers of the Future, Volume Thirty-Eight, and um, I'm all the way near the end of the book. And what's the name of your story? It's called The Greater Good. Oh, I love that. That's great. It's like a Xena thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm not very good with titles, so whatever sounds good. Yeah. And fit. I don't blame you. It's hard to find a title. Yep. Oh, and the reveal for your illustration. Did you pick out the uh, illustration right away? You know what? I would have been first, except there was a whole bunch of people in the way. I knew exactly which one it was. Um, Jim did such a good job. Jim Zakaria, uh, he he does a lot of book covers, and um, you should actually look at his website. His book covers are great, and he does a, a lot of illustrations, and what he chose to do was fantastic. Cool. Um Okay, we're coming to the end. Uh, do you have a website? I do. It is mdupree.com. And what are, is your social media handles um, for Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, <laughs> you know, mutual. I'm not really huge on social media, so if you need to reach out, you can reach me through my website. Okay. I, on social media, I really just hide behind my dog's Instagram page. <laughs> <laughs> so if you see a really cute um, terrier mix joining you, that's me. Oh, I love it. <laughs> okay, I can understand that. Yeah, I've hidden behind my pets too. Well, <laughs> you've seen yeah. a picture of my cat Pie. I would definitely your, put her before my own face. Your cat is adorable. Your cat looks like she should be next to Cleopatra. She should. It, she's so cute. She is. She's a beauty, and she knows it. She's got the ego of a beauty. Yeah, she would fit with Cleopatra better than me. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> she's gorgeous. Exactly. She's she's like bass. What is a basset? A basset. Like, oh, basset. The, the, the cat goddess. It's a basset. Yeah, that's one of right. them. Yeah, there's Bassett and there's uh, there's another one too. The daughter of Ra. Yeah. Right. Yes. She's looking at me. Hi. Hey. Yeah, we're talking yeah. about you. Yeah. Yeah, we know you're beautiful. She's like, I know I'm beautiful. And she's looking at me. Stop talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> she knows the. The pharaoh knows. Yes, she does. She could be Hepchetza. <laughs> <laughs> the the first female pharaoh. Well, no, she wasn't the first. The first was the crocodile uh, uh, pharaoh. I can't remember what her name was. But Hepchetza was the second powerful, successful pharaoh that was a woman. And, and Pi would work really well with her. <laughs> anyway, I want to thank you for coming on the show and listening to me rattle on about my
poor little trivia, and I loved hearing your story. Thank you very much. And thank you for chatting with Sherry. Thank <laughs> you.